Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hi, this is Earl Oliver from Sully Finish Wrestling. This is Raj Geary with WrestlingInc.com. This is Sean Reed, boxing writer and undercover low-key wrestling fan. And you're listening to Duke Love Wrestling. Woo! Folks, if you've been watching NWA Power, you know that it's just such an incredible wrestling show. And it's something that has really taken the, the industry by storm because, you know, they're on YouTube and in a very short amount of time, I mean, literally in one hour, they're able to tell such great stories and bring to us some fantastic characters that just draw you in. My guest this week is somebody who absolutely, by far, she draws everybody in, much to the chagrin of her boyfriend who could be a little jealous at times. And, you know, he was on the show before, so this is going to be an interesting follow-up here to get her side of the story. So without further ado, welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, somebody who is just so well-accomplished, incredibly talented, and most of all, just a joy to talk to, Mae Valentine. How are you, Mae? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, and that was a cool intro. (laughs) Well, listen, thank you for taking some time to join us. What is going on with you and my guy, Royce Isaacs? Because, you know, Royce is a friend of mine, and we've been kind of questioning him about your relationship there because he's been on a bit of a losing streak as a singles wrestler. What is going on, May? Well, I think Royce is not focused at all times he's worried about things that he shouldn't be worried about he seems way too worried about my friendship with Sal um and I've told him so many times he has nothing to worry about because I love him you know and you know I'm allowed to have friends Sal is a really cool guy and he's been a really great friend to me so I think Roy has to take his chill pill you know and trust me how dare you bring up the name of the guy who's been snooping around some other man's girlfriend. He's been hanging on your coattails. I, I think he's using you to try to become famous because you're such a big star. Who is oh, this, this Saul guy? He's what, not what's going that on at all. Saul's such here. a sweet guy. He's a great friend. He's been very helpful with me with a lot of different things. You know, Saul's a really creative guy. He has a really creative mind, so he gives me ideas. And we work on different ideas together for my blog and for my lingerie line. So he's just really been a great friend. So hold on. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Rewind, rewind. <laughs> Your lingerie line, you got yeah. some other guy, not Royce, the man who is your man, well, but you got Royce this Saul guy. Royce is not interested in working on my lingerie line. Well, don't you think it's because he's a little concerned about all these weirdos who, who are staring at his beautiful girlfriend? Well... You know, if he wants to have a beautiful girlfriend, he has to get used to people looking at his girlfriend. That's pretty much the truth. 
Okay, I, I don't know. You know, I did a poll a couple of weeks back, and, and the listeners of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, they were very clear about this. They don't trust this Sal guy. They think it's kind of strange that he keeps hanging around you when you have a boyfriend, and they wouldn't be surprised if Royce actually, you know, does something to him just because he's been stepping a little out of line. You know, I think all of you guys need to trust your girls a bit more, honestly. Okay, I don't know. I, I guess I'm going to let that be what it is, and we'll have to keep watching NWA Power to find out how this is going to continue to develop. Now, tell me, May, how does it feel to be part of the, the wrestling industry? Because this is a very strange, unique industry. It is sports. It's entertainment. How does it feel for somebody like yourself? Because, you you know, you're you're a writer, you're a creative but you're stepping into a totally different world with this pro wrestling stuff. How does it feel so far? Well, I've had the most amazing time. I'm having so much fun and I'm learning so much. There's so many different elements to it. A few of them, I feel like, were already part of my life. I've been a writer. I've been an actress. I've been a model. So I've been a performer of sorts. But just the athletic part wasn't there yet, <laughs> which is crazy to me to start that at this age after having done so many other different things. But I pretty much fell in love with wrestling as an adult already in a time in my life where I really wanted to reinvent myself and I wanted to challenge myself and do something new. I always enjoyed martial arts. You know, I, I watch wrestling, but I never thought that I could be a part of it until one day I had this crazy idea that I really wanted to give it a try. And it's been an amazing experience so far. You know, May Valentine fits like a glove in the NWA, especially with uh, Royce Isaacs. I mean, just the two of you together, it's incredible to see the chemistry. And this is something that I was, was telling Royce when he was on the show a few weeks back. It's almost as if you were born to do this, the way that you just grab the attention from the camera and what have you, <laughs> no matter what's happening in the ring. What, what do you attribute that to, this, this star quality that you seem to have well, that is not for me to say, I think. That is for you or the fans, the watchers to say. But thank you so much, if that's what you think. <laughs> You're originally from uh, Brazil, is that correct? I am. Okay, so I need your help on something here because this is very important. I'm the Duke. I love pro wrestling, of course. But the thing that I may love slightly more than pro wrestling is food. Okay, I love food. I am a food nut. Okay. So you got you to gotta tell me, all right, if, if I'm going to a, a traditional Brazilian restaurant, I know everybody right. talks about steak and all that other stuff, but I, I, I need the real deal here. You can level with me here, May. We, you know, it, it's just us amongst friends here. What should I be ordering the next time I go to a traditional Brazilian restaurant? My favorite thing would be a feijoada. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's the beans with all the different mixtures of meat inside. So wait, Have you ever tried that, that one? No. I, you're saying that the, the meat and the beans are all mixed together as one dish? Uh, so this is like my favorite Brazilian food. It's like a stew of beans uh, with beef and, and pork mixed in it. Oh, so the beef and the pork is inside of there. Yeah, now, inside now, of the it, stew of beans. Is it is it like a brown stew? I will have to, you know what? I should teach you how to do that, shouldn't I? Yes, yes, please, please, absolutely. That is a great idea for a video that I could do in the situation See? that we're in. <laughs> Look at that. And say, say the name of it again for us. It's called Feijoada. 
Sejuada. Okay. Sejuada. Okay. Sejuada. I'm going to have to, yes, I'm going to watch your video. You know, all the fans listening right now, let's, let's all make it a point to watch May's video as she makes this traditional Brazilian dish with beans and I pork and that. beef. Yes. Because yes, I'm, I'm, I'm craving a feijoada so much right now. Okay. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that there. It's, it's funny, May, because, you know, I, I've, I've done my research on you. First of all, pronounce your, your, Name the, the full name. We call you May for short because that's what every it's what's easy for everybody to say. But what is your your full name? Uh, my name is Maíra. That's the way that you pronounce it in Brazil. Uh, but after a while living in the U.S., it actually became Myra. So I have a few different names. <laughs> of course, of course, Maíra. You are a very, very interesting person because, you know, we see the May Valentine character on NWA Power and, and we see all the fun stuff. I mean, you're just, just this glamorous, uh, lady who does the vlogs and you're always into something and you got this, this creep south guy who's kind of, you know, hanging around you. Oh, of course, every, every glamour girl has to have their crazy best friend with them at all times. So I guess that's what's going on there. Who knows? You, you got this buffed up uh, boyfriend with the cool mustache and Royce Isaac. So we, we see that aspect of, of your character and who you are and what have you. But you're somebody that comes from an extremely talented family. Both of your parents are folks who, who are very serious about the arts and they expose you to the arts yeah. at, at a young age. Talk to me about your parents uh, real quick there, you know, what they did for a living and, and how Absolutely. that has impacted who you are as a person. Well, my father was a writer. He was a play writer, uh, and he wrote soap operas for television. He was a very prolific writer. He wrote since he was 15 years old to, to his death in his 70s. And he was one of pretty much the most respected writers in the country. My mother was an actress, and my siblings are musicians. So pretty much I grew up in a very artistic and creative environment. I started writing really young, like as a child, because that's all I knew. You know, that was the example that I had at home. Uh, my father was pretty much my hero. I looked up to my father and my mother. So I grew up writing and playing out plays that I would write as a child. Those are my favorite things to do as a child, pretty much, were to write plays and act them out for my father's friends. When you say, you know, write plays and act them out, so let's start from the beginning of what that process looks like. You're able to visualize and come up with stories with characters and things that they're doing, plots and things that they experience. Do you dream this stuff, uh, you know, when you're sleeping or do you see it when you're awake? How does that work? Well, I think everybody's writing process is very different. For me, I don't usually come up with my stories as I'm doing other things. I don't usually think about what my stories are going to be like. My process is pretty much sitting down and starting. And it's kind of like an intuitive process. It's kind of a spiritual process. Because when I start writing, I don't exactly know what's going to come out of it. So I feel like it's an experience. It guides me. I mean, I'll have the idea of what I'm writing about. And I'll have an idea of who my main character is. And usually my main character will, will lead the story. The way I like to write is always as a first-person narration, so I can really get into the characters' minds and feelings. But I never know exactly what I'm going to write, so it's an experience that 
pretty much writes itself. Before going viral was a thing that we would actually say. You wrote your first book. Uh, you were, you were, you know, a young person doing it. I don't even think you were, how old were you when, when you? I was 16 when I wrote my first book. 16 years old. So, you, so literally, yeah. you're still just this, this teenager who's trying to figure it out. You're growing into yourself and what have you. But you had this creative ability that was harnessed and it was something that was nurtured by your family. Everybody in the yeah. house is creative. So exactly. you, you put out this book. Not probably not thinking much, you know, just say, hey, I just want to share what I have to say to the world. And then before you know it, you went viral. It's something that became a phenomenon throughout Brazil and, and, you know, really throughout the world. How did it feel to have something that you put your heart and soul into that you created? Nobody else created this. You took this thing that didn't exist and then you developed and created it and then shared it with the world. How did it feel? to get the type of response that you got where so many people were so drawn to this first book here? Well, thank, thank you so much for your words, first of all. Yeah, that book is very special to me because I wrote it in a moment in my life where I was going through a lot of problems as a teenager. I have depression, so I was going through a depression at that time. Um, my father had passed away a few years prior to that. And I was just going through a lot of things that, you know, teenagers go through at that age, 15, 16 years old, as you're coming to age, you know, and, and experiencing things for the first time, you know, heartbreaks for the first time, relationships that you think you will never heal from for the first time. You know, my mother really, really was responsible for giving me the strength and the courage to write this story that is pretty much, you know, half autobiographical. It's a mixture of fiction and autobiography but it's pretty much a memoir of what I was going through at that time and I think that because I was I was in so much pain and I was so honest I wrote it in such an honest way uh, that hadn't been really done much by people my age so I think a lot of people could relate to that you know they they were very personal and deep things that I wrote about and that people wanted to see themselves in and people wanted to recognize themselves in that character. And by people, I mean teenagers going through those problems as well. So the book really resonated with a lot of young people and also their parents. And, yeah, it was an amazing feeling because when I wrote it, I, I didn't even have enough trust and faith in myself that it would even be published. You know, I didn't even know if it was good. <laughs> it was the first thing that I was, you know, ever trying to write professionally. And I didn't even, you know, have that kind of trust in myself yet. Um, and when the publishing company called our home and said that they had loved the book and that they thought it was going to be a bestseller, it just it blew me away. I think it was one of the most unbelievable moments of my life, as was seeing the book printed out. I remember that moment also. You know, it felt like I had a baby or something. Like, it was kind of like an exorcism. I... I was able to put down in paper all these feelings and things that I was going through. And it was kind of as if I removed them from me and I put it somewhere else and let other people also use it to deal with their problems. So it was really an amazing feeling. And I'm very, very thankful for it, for sure. What was the name of the book? I want to make sure that it's it's said properly and because, you know, folks listening, I'm sure they're going to contact their local library 
pull this up, especially if they haven't uh, known about it before. Please tell everybody the name of the book. It's called Fugalasa. Is that translated so, into English? Do you know? Uh, it's not translated into English yet, unfortunately. It's translated into a few other languages, uh, but the English translation is, is on its way. Okay. Well, hey, folks, you, you know, if you can get it online, I'm sure you can manipulate it so you can get it a rough translation. Yeah, absolutely. And there, and there are ebooks um, in different languages available online also. But I was going to say, Fugalasa, what it means, for those of you that have no idea what this word means, um, it's a it's a rope that you use to tame a large animal. So pretty much, it's a metaphor for all the things that I apologize. I just woke up, and sometimes it's uh, hard to translate certain words. But it's a rope used to tame large animals, and basically, it's a metaphor for the things that she was going through at the time that she felt she was being held uh, on a rope by if that makes any sense. No, it, it, it makes great sense. And, it, again, it, it's something that is so highly regarded, um, not just by young people, although it was important because you were a young person when, when – you're still a young person now, but you were a young person when you wrote it, so so many were able to connect with it and what have you. But it really transcended age because it was something that everybody could relate to. So, you know, definitely, definitely, yeah. folks, you get a chance to check it out. Uh, and we'll put up a link and, and what's interesting, you know, I'm, I'm talking about your first book, but you followed that up with another powerhouse that dealt with relationships and, and, and you know, as far as human yeah, contact. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote a, a couple of other books after that one. That's right. And That's right. Uh, and I and I'm working. I'm trying to start a new one now because I I feel like this is the perfect time for it. Well, it sure is. It sure is. Now, say the name of your second book, please. Uh, my second book is called Mil e Uma Noites de Silêncio. It translates to 1,001 Nights of Silence. That's right. Ironically, you know, with this global pandemic that we're dealing with, this COVID-19, this coronavirus stuff that we're dealing with right now, in my personal opinion, I, I think that your second book especially, in particular, is, is something that I think a lot of folks will get a lot out of just reading about the main character's journey and discovering herself and dealing with the challenges of relationships and how, you know, they can exist and maybe not exist the way that you wanted it to and they fall apart and she, she's searching for something. But yeah. within the story, she's finding herself. It, 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 am, am I, am I yeah. close to the concept there by saying that? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, she lives a very lonely, li lonely life by herself. So you're, you're right, uh, it does resonate with the moment we're living on, we're living right now. Yes, because you know we're we're having to self quarantine, and and especially yeah. those of us who are living alone or or who, for whatever reason, cannot be with their loved ones right now. You know, to to be able to read a story that's so well developed and what have you, and and hopefully pick up some tidbits within the story and, and how you can find yourself and continue to stay strong through journeys like that i think would be it's just an interesting concept that is i hadn't right even now. thought about it but yeah you're right actually now you follow that up with what could be your finest work and i and i don't say that it's my disrespectfully favorite, it's my favorite. Else. <laughs> yes because it was a collaboration with uh your mom and, and i believe it was your sister and, and, and yes. it told the story of your father's life right yeah um it's a collection of interviews that he gave throughout his life. 
So pretty much we put together interviews that he gave starting, I think, in, in the 60s up to his death in 99. And pretty much through his words and his thoughts, you can also see the history of the country and the cultural changes that were happening in the country and regarding politics and television and theater and different subjects. So it was kind of like getting to know my dad by having conversations with him that I didn't get the opportunity to have because he passed away when I was a child. So pretty much it was a way of me that me and my sister found to get to know our dad. And it turned out really great. You know, that that is just such a beautiful concept because, and, and I'll tell you, May, I truly believe that in order to understand a writer, first, you go to their works, absolutely, because within their works, it's, you, you yeah, get it's all there. a peek. Yeah, you get a peek into their psychology and the things that make them tick and what they're thinking about and how they see the world. But exactly. other side of that are the interviews which is what you went to, because you're, they're able to bring it all home. They're able to take a step back and consider their work and be questioned yeah. about it and continue the conversation, most importantly, about some of these themes and concepts that they wrote about. Exactly. So that, that's just, again, I, I really feel like that's your finest work because it just is such a, a major passion piece and so important. My dad does have an autobiography that I love so much. But when you sit down and you and you write your autobiography, you're like consciously narrating your story the way that you want to narrate your story. While interviews, you know, you're, you're giving them at so many different moments and time and situations and moods and feelings. And you're really just being yourself so many times that you don't even, you know, really know what it sounded like until you put it all together you know if if I go back in time and listen to my interview with you now 20 years from now I'm probably going to be shocked and be like wow I thought of it I thought of that that way you know that was my opinion about that so it's almost even more honest because it's not like in an autobiography where you're like consciously portraying yourself the way you want to portray yourself it's just incredible again because when we think about those three works in particular, again, you did it at such a young age. That's just the beginning of your story because here's the funny part. You know, we, we opened this interview talking about NWA power and how Mae Valentine is really just jumping out at the screen, just this incredible character that everyone is just, they can't get enough of. And we talked about in the beginning how you wrote your books and what have you. But in between that, there's just so much more. I mean, you have mm. written for for magazines and all these different publications. You have been on TV. You've interviewed some of the top stars of, of our generation, uh, literally. I mean, just name some of the some of the stars that you've interviewed personally. Oh my God, I don't know everybody from Arnold Schwarzenegger, Whoopi Goldberg, Vin Diesel. You know, most great rock bands that ever lived. <laughs> I have interviewed a lot of people, a lot of people in music and a lot of people in cinema. Well, exactly. So this is, you know, my point is you are, are just this creative, well-rounded person that continues, as you said in the beginning, to reinvent yourself and to 
push yourself beyond whatever limits maybe you thought there were because you just have so many interests. Yeah. There's no way anyone can look at Mae Valentine and not think rock and roll. 100%. I'm a rock and roll girl, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and music has always been one of my, you know, biggest passions also since I was a child. Same as writing. The same way I grew up writing plays and acting out plays, I also grew up writing music and dancing and doing choreography. And that was just like one of my biggest passions always, going to concerts. As you said, I started working as a journalist when I was really young, uh, and it came after really the success of my first book because the story of the book is kind of a drug, sex, rock and roll story. And the main character in the book goes through, like, the underground rock and roll scenes in my city. That led the publisher in one of the largest newspapers in the country to ask if I wanted to write for them. So when I was 19 years old, I started working as a music journalist for the largest newspaper in my country and started out my career by interviewing bands. You had a dream of writing for one publication in particular, and yeah. it's a music publication. Yeah. You just, In fact, you, you recently posted about this. I Tell did. everybody what the publication is and, and what was the dream. Yeah, I, I had a dream to write for Rolling Stone magazine. I always thought that was the coolest thing that somebody could do. I wanted to be the person that could say that. I'm a writer for Rolling Stone magazine. And that really was a passion for me. But I started thinking about this when I was still very young. So this was before I even wrote my first book. I used to go to concerts all the time. Like I started going to concerts, I think, when I was like 10 years old. My mom would take me. Um, And because my mom was an actress on television at the time, she had access to a few things. And, you know, I begged her to try to get me backstage at concerts. So I was like 11 years old hanging out backstage with Offspring or whoever at the time. So I grew up in that environment also um, because after my dad passed away, that was pretty much the one thing that made me feel happy was music, concerts. Um, So when I was like 15 years old, I started writing the editor of Rolling Stone. <laughs> sending him like concert reviews and album reviews. I I had no idea what I was doing, obviously, but my desire was already there and my determination was already there. You know, I don't know who the hell I thought I was that at 15 years old, <laughs> I was going to get hired by Rolling Stone. Uh, but the editor did write me back and said, Hey, you know, thank you so much for sending yourself. Keep going to concerts, you know, keep enjoying music the way you do. Uh, keep writing about it, and, you know, maybe in a few years you'll be writing for us. And that's pretty much what he said to me. And so I think it was, I was 23, 22 or 23, the first time I actually had something published by Rolling Stone. And then I became an interviewer for them for a couple of years. The dream did come true. (laughs) What I love about that, it is a very clear picture. It's a snapshot of who you are as a person. Fearless determination, and you're willing to put the work in and play the long game in order to accomplish a goal. Yeah, that's and that's true. so important. That's I'm not right. happy until I get it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, some of that is, is just being stubborn, which is a good thing. Yeah. Because we, it you can have be a, a good goal. thing and a bad thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm sure my stubbornness has put me in bad situations too, <laughs> but it does work positively sometimes. Well, you you take the good with the bad, right? Yeah. Now it, it's funny though because you know we say you're, you're rock and roll, and we know that uh, NWA is owned by the Smashing Pumpkin himself, Billy Corgan. That's Did right. Did you know Billy before uh, becoming an NWA uh, superstar? Billy actually brought me into the NWA, and it's a very interesting story. Also, I kind of knew Billy from around like the music industry. I've told this in a few interviews already, um, but I met him at um, a radio interview he did for 98.7. He was promoting one of his albums, and he was really cool to me. I was working as a journalist at that time, and I grew up a Smashing Pumpkins fan, so, like, I was a fan of his growing up. And then a few years after that, um, I was cast in a Smashing Pumpkins video, actually, and that's when I met Billy again. Billy was also directing the video with along with Linda Strawberry. I briefly talked to him on the set. Another year goes by after that. This is when I had decided that I wanted to get into wrestling already. And uh, we didn't mention this part of the story, but I actually uh, moved to Vegas to learn how to wrestle. I went to wrestling school in Las Vegas, FSW. That's where it all started for me. So while I was in Vegas and while I was at FSW, I guess it had been one year since the Smashing Pumpkins music video. And Billy came back to my profile and saw that, you know, I was trying to wrestle. And so we started talking about it. You know, he started asking me if I was, you know, if I was wrestling, if I was serious about it. And that's how the entire conversation about me joining the NWA started, actually. And what's really funny about it is when he came to my profile and he saw uh, I think it was a photo of mine um, at FSW. I was wearing a Smashing Pumpkins shirt. So I would say that's pretty much destiny. I was going to say that that was meant to be 100%. That is that is so yeah, crazy. It's, it's a crazy story. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show. You're just a person that has so many different layers, and, and you've mm-hmm. lived so many different lives, and the story clearly is not over. You're just somebody that is not afraid to reinvent themselves, take a chance on themselves, and your success has proven that you, you have pretty good instinct there. No, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I think it comes from I can't just stay still. I can't, you know, do this, the same thing and be happy with it. I have to be trying out new things. And I want to be feeling like the butterflies in my stomach, you know. So if I'm working on something and I'm not getting those butterflies anymore, probably I'm going to look for it somewhere else, which is what wrestling does for me right now. <laughs> I know that there are a lot of people listening. I mean, we, you know, our audience is from all over the world, especially those who are dealing with this, this pandemic and possibly being in, in stay-at-home orders and what have you. What are some, some tips, if any, that you can give for how a creative person can keep themselves stimulated uh, while dealing with having to stay in place a little longer than what they're normally used to? Well, I, I was telling you, this earlier before we started recording. I think that I am in need of a few of those tips. I'm still struggling a little bit to get used to this new routine, to be honest. Like you said, I'm a very active person. I'm always doing different things, and I don't think I've ever had to stay inside for this long in my life. So I'm struggling to every day find these things as well. I think it's very important to somehow keep active, uh, if you can, once a day, go outside and try to run, try to walk, 
you know, that actually helped me in afterwards being able to concentrate in something creative because I'm able to put, to let that energy out somehow. Another tip that I have that I feel like works very well for me is organizing the apartment, going through drawers, sorting out clothes, pretty much going through things that I wouldn't think of going through before. You know, maybe redecorating a room in your house or changing somewhere, changing furniture around. That also helps a lot with creativity. I actually have to move furniture around before I start writing. That's something that I do normally. Um, and that's definitely something that I'm doing now. Like whenever I feel like somehow like suffocated or stuck or I can't concentrate, I can't focus, I'll, you know, maybe clean the closet or I'll move furniture around. And pretty much those are the two things that I've been doing that have been helping me. If anybody has tips for me, I would be willing to listen to them. Okay, folks, that's a challenge to you. If you, if you have any tips for May on how she can keep herself stimulated, please shoot her some tips there. She'll, she'll appreciate it. Definitely, I want you to plug all of your websites, your social media. You're always posting these, these awesome photos and things. I know everyone's going to be excited about that. Please let everybody know the best way they can continue to get May Valentine in their life. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, Myra Diaz Gomez. It's M-A-Y-R-A-D-I-A-S-G-O-M-E-S, both on Twitter and Instagram. Before I let you go, uh, May, Maida, uh, you know, uh, Myra, whatever, he whatever we're going to call you. pronunciation, guys. He can actually <laughs> say my name. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> no, it doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> Well, you know, and just as, a, as an aside here, I think it's important to to hear your name. And I say that because, and I'm a little bit more conscious of that, when Sasha Banks took some time off from WWE, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story, but she needed a, a mental health break. You know, she, she had been going strong for seven right. years, and she just needed a time just to decompress and, and get back to who she is as a person. Her real name is right. Mercedes. And one of the things that she stated in a, in a documentary when she came back is that it had been seven years since she heard somebody say her real say name. Say her name. Yeah. And I can relate. That made something in my head click where it's like, wow, you know, you, you performers, you, you, you folks who are out there in entertainment and you, you may take a stage name or a variation of your real name. But what happens if you don't hear your real name anymore and all you hear is the, the gimmick name, so to speak? How does that affect you from an emotional standpoint and, and what have you, you know? So I, I do think it's important for, yeah, it's, for people it's to Yeah, it's weird because when, when I go home, when I go to Brazil and I hear my name the way it's supposed to be said, I'm like, oh, this is who I am. You know, I almost <laughs> forgot that my name isn't Myra. And then when I'm here, I... I completely forget that my name is Maida because I've become Myra. And there's a little, sometimes I feel like, do these people even know me? You know, because they don't even know what my name is. <laughs> I've known people for 10 years and do they actually even know me? They don't even know my name. So that weird thought comes to my head sometimes. So that's a big deal. And hopefully anyone listening uh, right now, it may make them consider that. You know, and, and, and take the time to actually learn your name. But listen, yeah. before I let you go, I, I got one more question for you, because as we were talking, it really made me think of something. And I'm not sure if you're necessarily a spiritual person or what have you, but... I'm very you know, spiritual. 
Okay, I, I got that. I got that vibe. I got that vibe. But yeah. I, I didn't want to assume. I I'm a believer that we have angels, you know, and, and it's funny because people will come up to me on the street, strangers, and they'll say, I you know, I can see your angels, or you you, you got an angel walking with you, and it, it's at first it was kind of strange to hear. But then as it continued to be a, a theme, it's just something that I've accepted and, and have learned to appreciate. I got a feeling that your dad is with you every step of the way here. I feel that every day. See, and, and, and he's continuing yeah. to encourage your, your, your creativity and, and for you to continue to be the whole person, not just this aspect or that aspect, but the entire person that you are. You know, Maida, who you are. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because I feel that that person is the person that I was as a child. It's the child that did all these things and played around with all these different things. You know, even wrestling can fit into that. That is really who you are, is the person that you are as a child. So I, I definitely feel that, like, if my dad is around, which I do believe he is, guiding me, that, you know, he's able to guide me into all the different things that he knows that I can be. That was fun. You know, that was a lot of fun. Mae Valentine, I'll tell you, man, she's something else. Just so well-rounded and has so much going on. And boy, you know, Maida, cool name too. But I'll definitely be sharing, like I said earlier, sharing some information about her books because especially with people having a little bit of time on their hands, you know, be great to check out some of May's writing so thank you again May for joining us this week listen folks welcome back welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast this is the show about pro wrestling and everything else hope everyone is doing well out there Uh, I'll tell you whether you're battling any kind of allergies you know it's allergy season the flu COVID-19 you name it hopefully this is a great place for you to get away from some of that stuff and just get some entertainment in your life, for sure. For sure. Listen, we just had WrestleMania this past weekend. And as I told you before, I mean, this is unprecedented because it was over a two-day span. So for the entire weekend, that was April 4th and April 5th. Just events happening and what have you, matches Really, really different presentation. And I got to say, overall, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for a multitude of reasons. And I know some of you out there, you're going to be like, oh, okay, Duke. Yeah, you know, you love everything, WrestleMania, you, uh, everything your good friend Vincent Kennedy McMahon does, blah, blah, blah. No, you guys know better than that. I have a little fun, but you know better than that. I call it WWE out on stuff I don't like. But I got to say that... um it was a it was a strong effort by all involved. They made the best out of a very I mean, you know, near impossible situation, and they ended up putting on a, a solid card. You know, so I'm going to go over some of these matches here and just give my take. Because I know some of you out there again, you know, I I had what was the guy's name there? Billy the construction worker. I had him on a few weeks back, and he was. I don't know, he was threatening to break my thumbs or something like that because he felt the need to have more wrestling content on the show. <laughs> it is a wrestling show, he's right. 
And as I promised you, you know, I'll talk a little WrestleMania this week. And again, please send me your your questions, your comments. Duke loves wrestling on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, you name it. You know, send me your questions and your comments. Who knows? Maybe I'll have you on the show talk about your thoughts on WrestleMania and essentially the the new WWE year. Because as we know, the end and the beginning of the WWE fiscal year, it lands on WrestleMania Day, right? So it's really interesting here. Um, they kicked off the first night, which was Saturday, April 4th. They kicked off with Cesaro versus Drew Gulak. And I'll tell you something, brother and sister. For four minutes and 25 seconds of just pure action. Two guys who really know how to get it done in the ring. You know, there was one sequence where Cesaro picked up Drew Gulak in it almost looked like a torture rack he was he was setting him up for or a burning hammer or, you know, for you younger fans out there, Nikki Bella's finisher, whatever the heck she called that thing. Uh, he picked up Gulak and he draped him over his shoulders and then he proceeded to spin around. But then as he was spinning around, he dropped his own hands with Cesaro dropped his own hands and he was spinning Drew Gulak around on his shoulders without holding him. Just inc- forget about the fact that the guy just has incredible balance. Think about the, the, the leg strength, the back strength. The core strength, right? Your shoulders, including the trapezius muscles. I mean, your neck. He picked up Drew Gulak, who's got to be somewhere around 200 pounds, and spun him around like it was nothing without even holding him. I mean, it was just incredible. Incredible stuff there. Uh, Entertaining match and a great way to kick off WrestleMania this year. Four minutes and 25 seconds, as I said, Cesaro ended up defeating Drew Gulak. And I'll tell you, man, I could watch those two wrestle all day long. I'm enjoying the feud, but, you know, amongst Shinsuke and, and Cesaro and Sami Zayn going up against Gulak and Daniel Bryan. I just think that it's really interesting. I mean, literally a collection of the best wrestlers in the world, and they're all in a feud. And it's just cool. It's really cool. Fun to see. The next match was Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. They took on Asuka and Kairi Sane, a.k.a. the Kabuki Warriors, for the Women's Tag Team Championship. And Alexa and Nikki, they, they won, which was pretty interesting. Didn't really see that coming. But they were given a lot of time here. I mean, 15 minutes and five seconds. And I'll tell you. Kairi Sane and Oscar are two of the most entertaining people you ever see in the wrestling ring today. Just hilarious. You know, and, and, and the funny ad-libs that they have, and whether they're speaking Japanese or English and yelling and carrying on, dancing. You know, Oscar's the greatest dancer of all time as far as I'm concerned. Just, you know, really entertaining stuff. I don't know what the heck is going on with Nikki Cross. Listen, Nikki Cross, I know you're listening to the show. I know you're listening to the show. Listen to me. Stop touching people. Okay, unless it's in the wrestling ring, stop hugging, stop grabbing, stop touching people, please. Social distancing, Nikki Cross. Come on. And, you know, I like you, Nikki Cross, but you got to cut that nonsense out. I'll just I'll just say that. Okay, but 15 minutes, five seconds. 
as we said, Alexa and Nikki, they won the match. Entertaining. Love Oscar. Love Kyrie Sane. Alexa Bliss is still a favorite of mine. And I'm a fan of Nikki Cross as well. So great effort by these ladies here. Next up, we had Elias. He was able to get some revenge on King Corbin. Defeated him in that match. And it was what it was. It wasn't so bad. It wasn't so great either, but it was what it was. Then we had Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. And they were given 8 minutes and 30 seconds. And let me tell you something. I, I've been saying this for years. Becky Lynch is very limited in what she brings to the table when that bell rings. I'm just, it's the truth. And it's unfortunate, but this is, this is the biggest thing I've called out. I've been very consistent about it. It's the truth. You got to put Becky Lynch in there with wrestlers who are better than she is and allow them to really carry the show because when she's in there with somebody who she's more experienced than, it's just, it, it doesn't come off right. And as, as solid as Shayna Baszler is in the ring, this was not a good match. It just wasn't, not in my opinion. It was not a good match, and I'm not blaming Shayna for it. I just feel like, you know, Becky... I don't know, man. I'm never impressed with her. Anyway, uh, Becky retains the Raw Women's Championship, which is disappointing, personally. But I, I, I just, I wasn't a fan of that match. Next, we have Sami Zayn with Cesaro and Shinsuke. He defeated Daniel Bryan for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. You know, Daniel Bryan had Drew Gulak back with him. Nine minutes and 20 seconds, just pure action. Good stuff. Very enjoyable match. Really, I, I just want to see this feud just continue to go forever. Just love it. Love it. Next up, we had John Morrison, Jimmy Uso, and Kofi Kingston. Now, they were in a triple threat match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. As strange as that sounds, instead of having a triple tag team match, they had a representative from each tag team, just one. So it was a triple threat match, just three people. Not a tag team. Three individuals. Well, Morrison ended up winning the match. So he and The Miz retain the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. And that was, you know, 18 minutes and 30 seconds. Ladder match, a lot of action. It was something else. What you would expect. Uh, you know, I, I will say, though, when I saw this criticism elsewhere, without a crowd, these gimmick matches, like a ladder match, they, they don't hit as well as you would expect when that crowd really adds something to the presentation when you have these dangerous matches these these death-defying stunts that occur with a ladder match or even a steel cage match for that matter you know when you do it in an empty arena it's kind of tough so but it was what it was i actually enjoyed the match next up kevin owens versus seth rollins in a no disqualification match Owens ended up beating Rollins in 17 minutes, 20 seconds. Match went a little long for my taste. Owens jumped off of the WrestleMania sign, which was interesting. It wasn't a bad match. It just kind of dragged on. It was what it was. Then we had Goldberg, the Universal Champion. He, he took on Braun Strowman. So keep in mind that this was originally supposed to be Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. But because of the COVID-19 situation... Roman Reigns had to bow out of WrestleMania. He's kind of, you know, laying low until this stuff blows over because, I mean, the guy is a two-time cancer survivor. 
believe it's leukemia. So we, we definitely don't want him to be put in a position where a bad situation could get worse. That's for sure. But two minutes and 10 seconds, Braun Strowman was able to defeat Goldberg and become the universal champion. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Braun going forward because he was the guy that, you know, WWE just wouldn't pull the trigger on. They just wouldn't put the championship on him. And it's finally happened. Will he be able to capitalize on this and become a memorable champion? Or is he going to just be a placeholder? You know, when Roman is back in action, he will just take that belt from him and, and move on business as usual. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. The final match of night one of WrestleMania was the boneyard match between the undertaker and AJ styles and AJ had Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. This was a 19 minute affair. Let me tell you something. This was probably the best thing that happened all weekend. It wasn't a regular match. These two guys just basically fought each other in a, in a graveyard and there was a lot of bells and whistles going on. It was cinematic it was like watching Lucha Underground or something. You know? I said it before. This was going to happen, and it did. They filmed it more like a TV show or a movie. It was not a traditional wrestling match, which was okay. And I think going forward, you should do this with The Undertaker from now on because it was it was entertaining. It worked. AJ, obviously one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, he did his job and helped The Undertaker look great as did Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson and some of the other folks who were extras in the match. So it was, it was fun. It was fun to see. Really enjoyed it. Undertaker won the match, which he should have. There was great music, even Metallica playing in the background and stuff. Just really cool stuff, man. Really cool stuff. Really, that was fun. So that was night one. Now, night two, Sunday, April 5th, kicked off with Liv Morgan versus Natty, and Liv actually won the match. Six minutes, 25 seconds. Let me tell you something. First and foremost, you know, Natty is just fantastic. Natty Nightheart, she's awesome. Literally one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. She has done so much for the company through that women's division. She's just fantastic. She makes everybody look great every time she's in the ring. And, and this was no exception. In my opinion, I think Liv Morgan is extremely talented and she is valuable. I feel like she's somebody who can, you know, stay on the, the lower to mid card for now. But if you needed her to step up, she'll step up. And I think that, you know, with Liv's progress, I think she could someday be champion. So I'm just throwing that out there there. And, you know, a couple of fans and even some lady wrestlers commented to me that they really loved Liv's outfit. They loved her gear for WrestleMania. It was a, it was a cool outfit, something a little different. Uh, so you definitely have to check it out, folks. And I'll, I'll repost the photo of it, what have you. But, you know, just there's something intriguing about the continued progression of Liv Morgan. Where does she go from here? But one thing that I can say, she's very talented. So, you know, sky's the limit. I'm not going to say that she's in a Alexa Bliss situation, but she certainly is not too far off in terms of somebody who could be the next breakout star and, and the next 12 to 18 months could be hers if she plays her cards right. You know, so we'll see what happens there. Next up, we had uh, Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. Now, keep in mind, this was for the NXT Women's Championship. 
These ladies got 20 minutes and 30 seconds, and it was awesome. Awesome. In the end, Charlotte Flair won the match, and she is now the NXT Women's Champion, which is just fantastic. Something that, you know, you would thought you would never see again. Charlotte is NXT Women's Champion. Shout out to, to Rhea Ripley. You know, she she's another one who got called out for her gear. It was a little different, but it was a cool look for her because it was different. Uh, good match. I hear that Rhea Ripley had to return back to where she's originally from, which I believe is Australia. Some visa issues, you know, related to this whole COVID-19 stuff. So WWE really had no choice but to make that that switch. And what a great switch it was. I mean, Charlotte Flair can't go wrong there. So seeing her on NXT is going to be fun. And I, I don't think she's leaving Raw, so we'll probably get a chance to see Charlotte Flair twice a week. We have to stay tuned for that, but really fun. I can't wait to see Charlotte versus Iro Shirai or, you know, Charlotte versus Vanessa Bourne, Charlotte versus, of course, the E-S-T, Bianca Belair. So, fun stuff, fun stuff. Next up, we had Aleister Black. He defeated Bobby Lashley. Lashley came out with Lana. And I got to tell you something. First of all, I didn't like the fact that Bobby Lashley had to lose to Aleister Black. I think that's ridiculous. Bobby Lashley could destroy him in real life. That's ridiculous. Seven seven minutes and 20 seconds is just ridiculous. But anyway, I love the package of, of Lashley and Lana, especially presented in a slightly more serious manner. And I want to see where we go from here because I think Lana could definitely add something significant to Bobby Lashley's presentation If we allow this thing to move in the right direction. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. But you know, Aleister Black beating Bobby Lashley. Give me a break. Next up we had Otis. You know, one half of heavy machinery. Otis, he he defeated Dolph Ziggler in a singles match. And Dolph came out with Sonya Deville. Right? It was revealed recently that it was Sonya who kind of messed up Otis and Mandy's situation. The finish of that match saw Mandy come out and slap the taste out of Sonya Deville's face. And she and Otis celebrated Otis's victory with a kiss. So, you know, that feud is just getting going. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. Next up, we have one of the, the most anticipated matches of the weekend. Edge versus Randy Orton in a last man standing match. 36 minutes, 35 seconds. What the hell? They gave these guys legitimately almost like a full episode of of NWA power. I mean, just, you know, 36 minutes and 35 seconds, these guys were fighting each other. And I'm going to tell you right now, if there were ever two people on this card who needed a wrestling match in a wrestling ring, it is Edge and Randy Orton. That last man standing match was poorly executed. And it wasn't their fault. And I say that because you're comparing it to the Boneyard match. Because it was kind of shot in a, in, a, in a different way. It wasn't in a ring. It was backstage. It was a fight. It was just different. I think it started off in the ring, but then it quickly went everywhere else anyway. But I just, I didn't like it. It was terrible. It was terrible. I think these guys need a do-over in a ring. Please. Next up, we have the Street Profits. Dawkins and Montez Ford going up against Angel Garza and Austin Theory. And those guys came out with Zelina Vega for the Raw Tag Team Championship. 
six minutes, 20 seconds, Street Profits retain. Um, I got to tell you, I think Austin Theory is a, is a highly talented person. And he, he has a bright future in wrestling, but it's a little too much too soon. This kid is just, he's making so many mistakes out there and he's looking ridiculous. And I don't think the Street Profits are really experienced enough to, to cover up his mistakes. And meanwhile, you got a guy like Angel Garza out there, and it's just like, what the hell? Why Why does Angel Garza have to be out there with this nonsense? Why? His partner's terrible. Like, just literally, the, the kid has a bright future. He's talented, but in this spot, he's terrible. He's just, and maybe he'll get better. And maybe that's what we have to endure. But it's just, I feel bad for Angel Garza. Obviously, I feel bad for Montez Ford and Angela Dawkins because these guys are not, I don't feel they're in a position to make anybody else look better yet, despite the fact that they're the champions. They need that championship to, to help them continue to stay over and matter. But you got to put some good talent in there against them. And when you put a punk like like Austin Theory in there with them, it just messes up the whole formula. Okay, so six minutes and 20 seconds of just bizarre nonsense. Uh, Bianca Belair did come out and she, I think she took out Zelina Vega and even the next night on Raw uh, she challenged there was a six man tag it looks like Bianca Belair is going to be on Raw I'm hoping that she's going to continue to be on NXT because her feud with Charlotte is money in the making we'd love to see that at SummerSlam but we'll have to wait and see how this shakes out next we had uh, the fatal five way match which was an elimination match Bailey, Lacey Evans, Naomi Tamina and Sasha Banks. 19 minutes and 20 seconds. Plenty of time. In the end, Bailey retains, but there may be a little tension between her and Sasha Banks, which is what we've been waiting for, right? Are, we, are, are you going to split those two up and have them battle each other? It'll be a great match. You might as well. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Next, you have Drew McIntyre. Taking on Brock Lesnar. And Lesnar had had Paul Heyman with him. This is for the WWE Championship. And in the end, McIntyre becomes the WWE Champion. Which was interesting. Really interesting. Um, Didn't really see that coming. But it happened. We knew that it was possible. But I didn't expect it to happen. But it happened. So now McIntyre is a champion. And, you know, it's funny, too, because there was a dark match where McIntyre defended the WWE Championship against the Big Show right afterwards. Beat him, too. So, I guess Drew McIntyre, you're going to have to call him Super McIntyre now. Who knows? Who knows? So, overall, night two was was not as good as night one. Night one definitely was the better of the two, both in wrestling content, the quality of the wrestling content, and even the, you know, theatrical stuff. Oh, I forgot, you know, Bray Wyatt took on John Cena in a funhouse match, and it was kind of weird. 13 minutes, Firefly funhouse match, but I liked it. It was artistic. It was different. It wasn't a boneyard match, but it was its own thing, and I think it's just the beginning. So, But, you know, WrestleMania, like I said, I overall, I, I appreciate it. There's really nothing else to watch right now in terms of sports entertainment, Right? You can watch Impact Wrestling, and yeah, please do. And, and you can watch whatever everybody else is going to put out there. AEW, they're trying. But really, you know, th- this WrestleMania was the was the granddaddy. This was it. 
and even the next night on Raw, we had a couple of matches that were return matches, just slight variations of it. And we saw some other folks out there on Raw. So, I mean, just WWE showing off their the depth of their roster is pretty cool to see. And I guess this is what we're going to be dealing with. I'll tell you something interesting that Triple H said, and he, he said it to... Um, he said it to one of the magazines there, one of the entertainment magazines. I, I, it, the, the name escapes me right. TV guy. He said it's a TV guy. He said he doesn't know if we're ever going to go back to the way things were in terms of how the WWE presents their product. He feels that normal is going to be whatever comes next. The new stuff is going to be the new normal. I think we're going to see less live events from WWE and we're going to see more things being filmed in a different way. It's going to look more like a TV show similar to Lucha Underground. And I think they're going to save the live events for, you know, major, major, like a WrestleMania, SummerSlam, they're going to Royal Rumble. They're going to save it for the major pay-per-views of the year. But for the most part, they're going to stay in one location and just give you something that is scaled down in terms of huge arenas and, you know, 16,000 people plus or what have you. And just give you content without all that. And I'm not against it. I think it's a it's a smart thing to do. You know, I think it makes financial sense considering the fact that most of these live events that we go to are, you know, WWE takes a loss on those. It's the TV contract is where they make the money. So, do you need the live event? No. But I think that it does create opportunity for other wrestling companies if they want to take that financial risk. So, hey, who knows? This could reinvigorate the indie scene. Could be interesting. You know? But it does make me wonder what's going to happen to folks who work at these arenas. Who depend on these these large-scale events we may see a lot less of those going forward. Our, our sports and our entertainment companies are going to have to figure out ways to innovate. They're probably going to have to rely more on 3D technology so people can put on headsets and, and you know feel like they're live and, and watching things and they'll get a 360-degree view of what's going on, but they, they never have to leave their house. And maybe you can sell tickets to exclusive events like that. You're going to have to innovate. You're going to have to find ways to get this done. And I'm excited about it. We can't fear change. We've got to embrace it. We've got to welcome it. And most importantly, we have to prepare ourselves for it. Don't be stuck. You know, some of these, some of these wrestlers who are friends of mine, by the way, especially folks who are no longer in the ring expressing frustration and and getting upset at anybody who didn't mind WrestleMania's presentation because as far as they're concerned you can't do it without a live crowd you even CM Punk you know the live crowd is so important John Cena oh man you feed off the live crowd everybody wants to talk about the live crowd well guess what it ain't going back you can't unring a bell fellas and ladies we're not going back. The live crowd events are going to be few and far between going forward, at least for the WWE. 
So get used to it. Prepare yourself for that. Usher in the change. Welcome the change. Make yourself available for the change. Because you never know, man. There might be a place for you in this new normal. That's right. That's right. Listen, folks, before I I let you go, I just want to touch upon something real quick. I understand that, you know, at least here in America, and and shout out to all my my listeners from all over the world. I know you're there. But at least here in America, you know, we're on a stay-at-home order. And I just want to make you think of something here. Just keep something in front of mind if you don't mind. Stay at home doesn't mean you shut yourself off from the world. It doesn't mean that you ignore your responsibility to yourself and your loved ones and your neighbors in terms of being aware of your surroundings. What are you talking about, Duke? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Duke. You should be looking out the window every day. Multiple times a day. Now that sounds simple, but what are you looking for? Well, does anything look different to you? Right? Are you seeing the wild animals coming out a little bit more and feeling a little more free because there's less people around? That's important. Right? I can tell you personally, I noticed that because people are home, There's more of an abundance of trash in their receptacles and there's less trash in the public receptacles, right? So think about this for a second. How will that affect animals, squirrels and raccoons and other things that traditionally, you know, even the birds, they go and they want to pick in the trash and stuff like that. That means they're going to be coming to your property. So you better keep your eyes open for that because that that could be a bad situation, right? People who are snooping around. Everybody has somebody in their neighborhood who is a first responder or works in the medical field or, you know, what have you, transportation, construction, you name it. Everybody has somebody in their neighborhood who's out there working, works at the grocery store. Stick your head out of the window if you're if you're working from home. Or if you're one of the many people who are forced to collect unemployment because, you know, your job is on hold for now. Stick your head out of the window. Pay attention to your neighborhood. If your neighbor across the street who works at the hospital or works at the grocery store, works at the restaurant, if you know that they're not going to be home for, you know, extended periods of time during the day or the night, stick your head out of the window. Keep some watch out there. If you see anything that doesn't make any sense, make sure you you pick up the phone and you call whomever you need to call, right? Do not close yourself off from the world, folks. Please, I beg of you, don't do it. Some of you out there will say, I'm I'm sick of the news. It's just just negativity and I I, I can't handle it right now. Yeah, 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 I, I get that. But things are changing by the hour, right? Our lives are changing by the hour. Our surroundings are changing. And there's valuable information that's being put out there. If you don't want to watch the national news, I get that. But 
goodness gracious, for, for at least 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, you should be watching your local news or read a local newspaper online, right? I'm not talking about what's on Facebook or Twitter and all that nonsense. I'm, I'm, I'm talking literally go to a news source. You personally go to a news source, especially your local news sources, and just be made aware of what's going on. Grocery stores are starting to limit how many people can be in the grocery store at a time because they're practicing the social distancing stuff, right? I shook my head when I when I saw people showing up at grocery stores certain days of the week, first thing in the morning, when those days were supposed to be designated for our seniors. These are people who are not watching the news. They're not paying attention. Come on. Got to work together on this, folks. Right? And most importantly, if you see something that doesn't make sense, if you see something that's concerning, if you see something that could potentially create a problem for everybody, then please call that out. Please. We're going to get through this thing, but it's not going to happen unless we work together. So please, just... Keep that front of mind. I'll tell you right now that uh, everybody listening right now, you're on my mind. And again, you know, this is my duty to you. Yes, I got my own thing going on. I got my own shoot job and all that other stuff. I got my family and all that stuff. But I have a duty. I have a responsibility to you, my listeners, to present you with entertaining content every week. And of course, I'll throw in some informative stuff on top of that. And then I log on every day on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and I put out more content and try to interact with as many of you as I can. But that's my way of being a good neighbor to you. And all I'm asking for you in return, of course, listen to the show and keep sending in your, your comments and all that other good stuff. Yes, let's have our fun. But all I'm asking of you beyond that is be a good neighbor to the people in your neighborhood, to yourself. Again, we're going to get through this thing, but we got to work together, right? That's right. May Valentine, thank you very much for being a guest this week once again. WrestleMania, it wasn't perfect, but I enjoyed it. Folks, join me next week. We're going to have more fun guests, and we'll keep this ball rolling. Until then, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.